0: Wealthy and Smart, Episode 159.
1: To a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets boredom or bosses on be wealthy and smart and now here's your host linda p jones
0: welcome to be wealthy and smart i'm linda p jones america's wealth mentor empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom On today's show, we're talking about the coming silver shortage, and you'll learn why independent researcher Steve St. Angelo of SRS Rocco Report believes there's a coming shortage of silver. Steve has done research on the U.S. and Canadian markets, has some really interesting things to share with us. I know you'll enjoy this. Here we go. Steve, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome.
1: Yeah, Linda, a lot of things are happening in the market, so we've got plenty to talk about.
0: Well, I really wanted to talk with you about silver. I recently saw an article that you wrote about silver shortages, which really caught my attention. I've been talking a little bit about some changes in silver and what's happening, and I wanted to get an update from you and hear, hear from an expert what you had to say about what's happening in silver
1: okay yeah we've had some interesting price moves uh, since the beginning of the year and now we're, at, we're we were at a uh, let's say a tipping point which was about 20 twenty and a half dollars and if it really went above that uh, let's say and closed at 50 cents or a dollar above that we could have seen some serious fireworks Um but uh and it seemed once we got there, there was uh, it, it seemed to top, so right now we're we're just seeing what's happening with the price. If, will we correct a little bit lower before we start moving up again, or could we see more uh, problems coming out of Europe and the banks, which could really get traders coming in and and, and purchasing and moving into silver in a big way so Uh, Things are going to change quickly, and I think we can talk about uh, the the supply and demand situation, which is starting to show some really interesting data points.
0: Yes, tell us more about that. What is? What are you seeing?
1: Well, you know, if we, the United States and Canada, the U.S. Mint and the Royal Canadian Mint produce the, the the largest number of official silver coins. And that's different than private rounds. They call them rounds because they, they're not a legal tender coin. They don't have a, a number printed on them, a denomination. But the, the U.S. Mint, what is interesting, the U.S. Mint and the Royal Canadian Mint only produced a little more than 9 million ounces of the, the Eagles and Maples in 2001. That was it, 9 million. Now, the, the these two countries produced... Almost 97 million ounces of silver that year, so they had they had like uh, 85 million ounces to play with, uh, to use for other aspects of their mar- their silver industry or silverware or jewelry. Well, if we fast forward to today, Linda, U.S. and Canadian silver production has fallen in half. It's now only uh, like 47 and a half million ounces. What's changed significantly, especially after the the, the 2008 housing and banking crisis, is the the coins, the sales of these coins have skyrocketed. And last year, it was 81.3 million ounces of of Royal Canadian mint uh, uh, baples, as well as the silver eagles. So the U.S. and Canada now has to import 37 million ounces just to supply these two official coins, and that's just part of the story. Uh, what's interesting, there's the, the private rounds really uh, and bars really shot up last year because investors, there were shortages that started to take place in June and, and went all the way to October. So instead of buying the Maples or the Eagles, they were buying other products, and they bought a lot of private rounds. Well, according to the World Silver Survey, North America, which is Canada and the United States, had 133 million ounces worth of silver physical investment. That's official coins, bar, and rounds. Well, if we add that to the equation, that means Canada and the United States now have to import 86 million ounces of silver just to pay or just to to supply the silver uh, investment industry. And this is a big change, and I think we're going to see shortages in the, in the future because I think we're going to see more and more investment demand, and it's going to make that, that, uh, that equation even worse, that deficit even higher.
0: Yes, and I agree we're going to see more demand. And then on top of that, Steve, don't you think because the price of silver declined so much, it made it more expensive for the miners to mine it, and so some of them just stopped mining it, right?
1: Yeah, I think – you, you, that's correct. Um, in the beginning in 2013 and then beginning of 2014, when the prices really fell, the miners were really hurt uh, b- because energy the energy price was still high. So they were still paying a lot for producing silver. But then as the price of oil finally came down in, in the end of 2014 and has been kind of low, uh, their costs have declined somewhat now. Uh, mm-hmm. st- but still... Some of them aren't making any money, and we have seen some, some of their mines being shut down. I do think, though, where we will see more production falling will be in the base metal mining industry, copper, lead, and zinc, because their prices have fallen so much, and there's a glut now in the base metal industry or the base metal supplies. I think there to be bigger trouble from the uh, base metal mining industry because 70% of silver comes from copper, lead, zinc, and, and gold production. Only 30% of the world's silver supply comes from primary silver miners. So even, even though some of those are hurting, uh, I think we're going to see uh, supply falling from the base metal mining industry. So this will also impact the situation going forward, and it will impact the price in a positive way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you that, uh, you know, we were seeing a pullback here. I've been looking at charts and it looks like, you know, it's a reasonable, normal correction that we're going to be seeing. But what would have happened, do you think, if we'd gotten above the $20.50 mark? Where do you think
1: silver might have gotten to? You see, that's a good question, and I think things really changed since the the Brexit, the, the British vote to re- leave the European Union. Uh, uh, first of all, let me let me go back. Uh, we had a big change because of the stock market uh, fell two thousand points in the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. and this scared investors. Yeah. We had record mm-hmm. people going into gold, and in, as well as silver, and so that the price started to move up. And then it started to decline a little bit in in let's say March but then we had the Brexit vote and they and then it pushed more impetus more problems in the banking industry and so we had more investors traders and purchasers of physical metal coming into the market and this pushed the price up even higher now the issue is the commercials, which are the bullion banks like J.P. Morgan, HSBC, Deutsche Bank. Um, uh, they they hold what is known as the short commercial short positions. Well, these are at a record high, and and, the, normally, and those
0: commercial shorts are are holding those positions because they're betting that the pr- they want to drive the price down, or they're betting the price will go lower,
1: right? That is it, right. When anybody, when anybody puts on a lot of short contracts, they're betting the price is going to go down. And when, when the traders put long contracts, they're betting the price is going to go up. And so right exactly. now we have record large traders on the long side betting the price is going to go up. And we have record commercial banks on the short side. And normally, Linda, in the past it, the, the banks have always seemed to be on the right side of the trade, so we, we would see a correction. However, in the industry, there's been the, the talk about the first time we see what is known as a commercial uh, a short squeeze. And we had that in oil in the beginning of the year. There was a huge short position against oil, and then all of a sudden, the price just went up from like $27 to 50 That was a short squeeze. Well, uh, the commercials have record shorts, and we 've seen the prices come down about a dollar now. But if the price did continue to move up because we had more black swans, uh, more events happening in in London with their banking industry the, the italian banks uh, and it 's all being propped up by you know it 's all being propped up by QE liquidity and, and, and confidence. Then you might see the traders come in and push that. At some point in time, if it did get above to, let's say, 21, 21 21.5, I do believe believe the commercials, instead of adding more shorts, which they've done for the last six months, they would have to cover. And when you cover a short, you've got to buy it back. And by buying it back, you're pushing the price even higher. This is the reason why when we see a short squeeze, the price moves up violently. And so it'll be interesting to see, Linda, how things – uh, turn out over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but I, I do think there's still a chance of that happening, even if it doesn't happen. I do think 2016 is a change. There's just too much, as you know, there's too many negative interest rate sovereign bonds out there now. I think it's 13 trillion negative rates for sovereign bonds. Why have a bond? Gold, you don't have to pay to own gold. But now you have to pay to have a sovereign bond. So I think things could be very interesting going forward towards the latter part of the year. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: And I just want to reiterate what you were saying about shorts. Uh, it's really where people are borrowing and selling something that they don't own. And so when the price then moves in the opposite direction and starts to go up, They've been betting that it's going to go down, and they have to go out and buy it in the marketplace to cover that position. And so they'll buy it at whatever price, and that's why a short squeeze is something that drives the price dramatically higher because people will cover their position at whatever price they can because the the risk of loss is unlimited. So they must buy it back at whatever they can buy to cover that position. So that's where we can really see those dramatic moves.
1: Yeah, uh, that's correct, and you brought up a good, issue, a good point, too, about paper, uh, and, you, and I know you've discussed this with your uh, listeners and followers, that the, there's, two, there's two markets in the, in the precious metal industry. There's the paper market, and then there's the physical market, and when you own the physical and it's been paid for, it, that, to me, is the safest asset to own. Uh, some people still uh, buy the GLD or the SLV, and these are electronic-traded funds, that supposedly have the metal to back them, but there's been speculation that even if they do have the metal, which I don't think they do have all the metal, that metal may be oversubscribed, And what that means is there may be several owners. It may be in a vault, you know it may be in a vault that has two, three, four, five owners. And so, even though they count that as a bar, there's another person that owns that bar, and maybe two other, maybe another government may own that bar. So, at some point in time, when this, when this whole thing finally cracks and the dust settles, the best place to be will be in owning the physical metal. And, and I think when when they realize that there has been, uh, uh, let's say, leveraged paper contracts. It could get very ugly for those who have the paper contracts, and it can get very pretty for those who own the physical metal.
0: That's right. And I just want to go on record saying that I do not recommend GLD or SLV ever. If people want to buy something that uh, is a fund that holds it for them, I recommend Sprouts Investments, P-H-Y-S, for the physical gold or PSLV, which is the physical silver. The problem, too, with with SLV and GLD is that if you read the prospectus on GLD, if you have less than $10 million in GLD, they do not have to give you the physical. So when you hear that George Soros owns GLD, it's perfectly fine for him, because if he has more than $10 million, he's covered under the physical. But anyone with less than that would not receive their physical gold. So that is not a good to think that you're covered and really have physical gold, really all you're buying is paper. So I do recommend the Sprott investments instead of SLV and GLD. I just want to make a a, a good point of saying, do
1: not buy those two. Uh, I totally agree with that, and I, I think too, uh, people don't realize how how little gold and silver there really is out there. Now there is a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of gold and silver in the world. I'm not saying there isn't. But a lot of it is held in tight hands. So if wealthy people like George Soros actually decided to go in and purchase physical metal instead of purchasing, let's say, a GLD, then they would have, they would have to take that off the market, and that could cause a lot a, a whole different reaction on the price than just going into a, a GLD. And even folks that, I know that there's banks that still sell gold and silver certificates. It was bigger uh, let's say a few decades ago and some people still do that, but the problem is if you look at the if you look at the comp- the bank's prospectus, they don't even have the gold or silver to back up that certificate. What they back it up with is the assets of the bank. So, yeah, I advise the only I the best gold and silver to own, and this is not mining shares, I'm not even talking about mining shares, but the best silver and gold to own is physical metal.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. In, in your possession is what I recommend, too. So we hear lots about uh, the, the paper contracts used to be rolled over to the next month, and now people are taking physical delivery of silver. How much longer do you think they're, they can maintain that
1: whole Ponzi scheme before it falls apart? You know that's the million dollar question, not the trillion dollar question. It's, it's been going on longer than we thought and uh-huh. and I do think now when you and this is I mismentioned this before uh, just just a year and a half ago, there weren't any negative interests any negative interest rate bonds in the market. I think it was a year and a half ago, maybe two at the most. Now we've mm-hmm. got 13 trillion. They've yeah, been doubling. Mostly, Europe, like,
0: mostly, mostly Europe though, right? Not,
1: that's correct. That, yeah. That's correct. Uh, and so, uh, when you see, uh, when you see this kind of activity, the way it's changing this quickly, I think, uh, and look what happened last year. Uh, from, from June to October. Uh, there was just – there wasn't enough silver. Yes, there may have been 1,000-ounce bars, but there just wasn't enough silver to supply the retail market. And so we had these – you had to wait some uh, – some companies or some uh, dealers had to wait uh, almost six weeks to eight weeks, uh, two months to get your silver. And so – and that's just with the regular people buying. Again, I've, I mentioned this before, only half a percent. Of people are buying silver in the world, a half of one percent. Isn't that and amazing? So, that blows yeah, my mind. yeah, it's only that half a percent, and maybe a few new ones that are actually was actually pushing silver into shortages and uh, in delays last year. And so, what happens if one to two percent? And I'm actually looking at a chart right here uh, of all the global assets, and this is based on a chart uh, on ShareLinks.com. Gold is. 0.58 percent, a little more than a half percent of all the global assets. Silver comes in at get this, 0.013 percent. It's not a tenth of a percent. It's a it's a little more than a hundredth of a percent of all the global assets. So when when does this this Ponzi scheme stop? When do they stop rolling these contracts over and? Uh, I think what's happened is in 2008, we had the collapse of the U.S. housing uh, housing market and the investment banking industry. I don't think people realize this. Lehman Brothers was around since the Civil War, and it went belly up, and so did Bear Stearns. And this really impacted the, the markets. We had, I mean, we saw gold go up, I think, $150 in one day. Uh, and And so... The, the federal, federal government came in, the Fed, the central banks, and they've been propping everything up. And, it, and to an outsider or to uh, you know, the typical public uh, person, an individual, it, they, they, they did feel things get really bad in 2008, but it, then it started getting better. But all this has been propped up with debt, and the, the debt now is so high, Linda. The debt in the system is so high, they can't service it at normal okay. interest rates. So they have to lower it to zero. So how much longer can they do that? And when, when it gets to a point where they can't do it anymore and we're seeing all these problems with the European banks and the U.S. banks aren't much better, that's the point when the investors, the other 99% finally wake up. So it's an overnight, it's an overnight thing to see that the, the Ponzi scheme and gold and silver to change. And I, I don't think it's a matter of, I'm, it, I'm not saying it's going to happen this month or, or this year. But I don't think it's going to take another five years. This could happen within the next several years. And so at some point in time, it's better to have the insurance now before the house burns down.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, you're right. We saw Brexit. We saw gold and silver prices jump quite a bit after Brexit. And now we're into the next phase, which are the Italian banks having problems and wanting to be bailed out by Brussels. And, You know, they can't bail them out because there's Spain and Portugal and all these other countries right behind them. So what do you think about that and and that situation versus what's going to happen with silver?
1: Well, you see, this is – people have been lied to by politicians for years. And it's like they know corruption is taking place, but, they, you know, they were able to, you know, continue on. You know, kids go to school, their kids go to school – uh, and they can buy a car, and they continue working. Things do get tougher, but it, you know, it, it's not like what's happening in Venezuela, which is a disaster. Um, I, I think it's, it's now it costs $20 to get a, a, a dozen eggs there in U.S. dollars. So they've allowed this corruption and, and the lies to go on. But now with like Trump getting into the Republican presidency, or the, he's the candidate now for the Republican Party, I'm not saying, I'm not endorsing Trump, but he stands for, uh, let's say, he's against the establishment. Well, that's the same thing that's happening now in Europe. And the British were the first to vote to leave, and now we see France is thinking about it, like you said, Holland. So I think this is the tipping point. I think uh, people all over the world are are getting tired of, of business as usual. And so to me, it's it's a steamroller. Now, even though they may they can they can use monetary printing and liquidity to prop things up and and continuing to lower rates, people need to realize these bonds, these negative rate bonds, it's like the subprime mortgage. Uh, people are flocking into them, but they were flocking into subprime in 2007 and 2008 before it crashed. So, I don't think this has a I don't think this will take much longer before things. It could go on for another year or so, but it's just getting it's getting worse quicker. And let me get back to one thing about silver, just just to tell your your listeners and and, and uh, your followers how much better a, a, a silver investment is compared to gold. Even though I like gold too, uh, last year. Uh, the silver that was recycled of jewelry was like 550 tons. That sounds like a lot of silver, but the world bought 7,000 tons worth of silver, silver jewelry. That's what I'm talking about, silver jewelry. So only 8% of silver jewelry was recycled last year. Now, gold was different. Almost 1,000 tons of gold jewelry was recycled and there was 2,400 tons of gold jewelry demand. So 40% of gold jewelry is being recycled on a, on a, on a, usually on an ongoing basis because it makes sense for, let's say, uh, American or anybody to go down to a, a pawn shop and take a couple of rings or a necklace and get $500 or let's say $1,000. It, 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 it's worth the effort to do it. But if you had a handful of silver jewelry, you're not going to do it for $25. So if we look at the total picture for silver, about 4,600 tons were recycled last year. The market total demand was 36,000 tons. It's only 13% was returned from, uh, from scrap. Now, gold was much different. And most of it was gold jewelry. As I mentioned, it was 1,000 tons. Total gold scrap last year was almost 1,100 tons, and total demand was 4,200. So 26% of gold is being recycled, only 13% of silver. So a lot of silver that's in, in, in industry, industrial purposes, even in jewelry, it will never come back to the market unless we see triple digits. So this is another reason why I feel silver has a much better potential to be the profits, or let's say percentage gains in investment, because there's there's actually less silver available to the market than gold. Mhm.
0: Yeah, and percentage-wise, I agree. It's it's you know a much a small move is a much bigger percentage from the the low base that silver is coming from and low price right now yeah it's fascinating and there's just so much going on that seems to be coming together sort of at the same time and then what's going on in the mining industry i think we're seeing some consolidation aren't we and seeing uh some of these mines being picked up by first majestic and other companies that are sort of trying to consolidate some of the production what are you seeing in that space
1: yeah and you know what is interesting about that um they've been buying gold mining. Uh, They've been buying gold mines. I've noticed that uh, uh, Silver Standard bought Marigold Mine last year. Uh, And so what's what's interesting is they are consolidating. They are buying some some silver mines. And we have to also, I'll I'll mention this, Uh, First Majestic was approached by a Japanese company to purchase a percentage Of their silver production and I think we're going to see more of this Uh, so I think this is what's interesting about the mining companies these the primary miners and I do like First Majestic I like Fortuna there's there's, there aren't many of them I follow about 12 of them Uh, but I think what's going to happen now uh, we are going to see as the price of silver moves higher they have cut their costs so much they're going to be very profitable
0: so we're going yes. to
1: continue to see more purchasing or more consolidation uh, going forward, and I do believe, and this is just this is my um, my view on the, I do believe the best second thing to own for speculative purposes are some of the primary silver miners, because I see their values moving up much higher than the gold miners, uh, because their cost of production is much less. You know, it takes it takes almost a 100 times more energy to produce an ounce of gold than it does an ounce of silver in the primary mining industry. And so even though the gold miners, and that's the reason why the cost, right? That's the reason why the price is kind of where it's at. That's why they put the price right now at about 65 to 1 um, because the cost to produce gold is about 65 more times than it is to produce silver. But this is different. This is The cost to produce gold and silver is different than their innate store of value or wealth. And because there's so many paper assets out in the world, what's happened is basically Americans and, and individuals around the world have funneled their funds. Due to Wall Street and, and bankers and government kind of, pushing them to do that, they've been funneling their funds since the 1970s and 80s into paper assets. And so when they're into paper assets, they're not into physical assets. And so there's like this disconnect. So all these paper assets go up in value, whereas gold and silver, I think the values of gold and silver would be much higher if people, instead of buying or investing in a 401k, they were purchasing so much gold to silver a year or a month. And so this is the problem. When, when Americans and other investors around the world begin to realize that they're invested in, in highly leveraged debt-based assets and they start to implode, that's when we'll see the value of gold and silver rise. And let me give you this one data point, if you don't mind. In 1980, U.S. debt was $863 billion, total debt. I mean, right now it's $19.2 trillion. The, uh, the Dow Jones industrial average that the first quarter of, two, of 1980 was 865 points, and now it's 18,500. So, Linda, what's interesting is the U.S. debt has increased 22 times, and the Dow Jones average has increased 21 times. The S&P... Is up 20 times, and the total U.S. retirement market is up 25 times. So when you look at these figures, their values are based upon the inflation of debt. And so, this is another reason why it's important to understand why you should own the precious metals. So, I do think the mining the mining shares will will uh, they will explode in the future because I do find I do think it may be hard to acquire physical metal at some point in time. When things really get dicey, we start to have we have, we have the second collapse. of uh, Let's say the second Bear Stearns-Lehman Brothers collapse uh, that happens in the future. Then things are going to get really dicey, and I don't think people are going to be able to get the metal. So we're going to see people trying to move into the next best thing, which are the miners. I'm not saying that I recommend that, but I said that's what I probably think will happen. So, I think the physical metal is the number one important thing to own, and then if you wanted to invest a little bit of money for speculation, then you, you could consider some of the, of the mining shares. And I, w- I would I think the primary silver miners would do the best.
0: Mhm, I agree with you. I like that a lot, Steve. How can people learn more from you? How can they contact you if they want to uh, learn more about what you're teaching?
1: All right, my website is the SRS Rocker Report. Uh, and it's S-R-S-R-O-C-C-O-Report.com. I put out two or three articles a week. M- a lot of my research is energy, precious metals, mining industry, and how this is going to impact the overall economy. And I just wanted to mention we have a precious metal webinar coming up on August 2nd at 6 p.m., and uh, we're going to talk about precious metals. If anybody wants to join that, they're more than welcome to sign up to that. The information will be on the site. But I've got a, a few reports that I have put out. You could check those out. But I try to look at the, the changing data in the fundamentals because right now the, the funny thing is, Linda, they say fundamentals don't matter. And, unfortunately, they don't. Um, but there will be a time they will. And that time is getting closer and closer. And so I try to look at these these different these different changes, these, diff- these different trends. Just like we talked about about the Canadian and U.S. silver supply and demand deficit, that it's getting worse and worse. That can't go on forever. So that's what I like to look at. That's what I like to talk about and write about. And anybody who wants to check it out, I think they would find some interesting information there.
0: Phenomenal. And I'll put links to that in my. Website as well and we'll have um, information for your webinar for your website and maybe the chart that you talked about as well could we get that chart that you mentioned earlier
1: absolutely I'll send you a few of those charts
0: okay that would be great awesome well Steve thank you so much for being on the show it was a real pleasure and you are a fountain of knowledge and there was just great information you provided today
1: Linda thanks again for your time